Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Well, here's what happened. Here's what happened. I was blogging, uh, you know, way back in 2014, right? I was blogging and even at the wet fly swing, you go see some of the old blogs and I, I wasn't good at it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm an okay writer. I'm getting better. You know, obviously the thing with writing is you've got to write and to become a good writer. And so, but I wasn't a good blogger as far as writing and I wasn't doing, nothing was resonating. I wasn't getting a ton of comments, nothing. And then all of a sudden I started this podcast and literally on day one, I had no experience in podcasting and interviewing and journalism, anything, but instantly I was getting feedback. People are like, great emails, love it. You know, all that stuff. So I knew it, I knew pretty much on the first week, I was like, and not only that, but it felt awesome. Like the fact that I'm like right now we're talking, I love every time I could do these interviews and I'm talking to somebody, I just love it because I mean, we're telling stories, we're talking. And so I knew that from day one. And so, so as soon as I knew that, I knew that I was leaving where I was back mm. the bladders, I was leaving that. And I was just, it was a matter of time to sell that and get out of that. And, you know, I, I couldn't go fast enough to go all in on the podcasting, <laughs> which is what I did. This is Dave Stewart with the Wet Fly Swing podcast, and I'm happy to be on the Tom Rowland podcast. What's going on, everybody? We got a great podcast for you today. I was recently invited to be a guest on the Wet Fly Swing podcast with Dave Stewart. We had a great time talking. I thought I'd have him on my podcast. He's got a lot of interesting things to say, and we're going to get started with that right now. Dave, what's going on? How are you? Good, good. How's it going, Tom? Man, it's going great. It's going great. What's going on in your world? Oh, not much, not much. It's good to it's good to see you here. We just did our podcast, and we did it all audio, so it definitely is a uh, yeah, it's more of a connection, isn't it, doing the with the video? Yeah, yeah, it's a little. It also requires a few more details and <laughs> and editing, but uh, but it's worth it. You know, I think a lot of people do like to watch the podcast on like a YouTube or Waypoint or something like that. And some people just tell me that they just kind of turn it on on their desktop and then just kind of put it behind whatever they're working on and and listen yeah. to it that way. But yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I like it. We've done some cool things with the video and used assets from from guests and stuff like that to make kind of a cool video while we're while we're doing right. the podcast but uh yeah so so is this going is this live on no on, no, no i do them live sometimes i have a, a thing yep. that that i can do live and i can broadcast to youtube facebook um we haven't done it to waypoint live yet but we can and yep. uh there's several other platforms but the ones that i use mostly are like uh facebook and youtube and uh, yeah, it could be going out live 
right now. That, yep. that would be pretty exactly. cool. And people yeah, could yeah. ask questions and stuff. And we've done that a couple of times before and it's been, been pretty good. But um, usually when I'm recording these, I set a day aside and I just do them like all day. So I don't yeah. know how many people oh, are going to be around at 10 o'clock in the morning, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that's awesome. So you got the wet fly swing. How long have you had your podcast going? Yeah. So we've been going since uh, 2017, the okay. uh, December of 2017. Yeah. I set a goal back in 2015 and I was like, I was listening to podcasts. I was just kind of addicted to them back then. And I set this goal. I said, you know what? I'm going to have a podcast in something, my own podcast and within two years and within two years end of 2017, you know, the idea came to me, you know, I guess a year before that and I launched it and it's uh, been going every week since, since then and haven't missed a week and it's been awesome. You know, that's uh, when you tell me that story, it sounds exactly like me. I had planned on having a podcast and I had just kind of, I don't know if it was procrastinating or if it was waiting for the right time or if it was waiting for something. And it kept getting down to, I don't know what I need. I don't know what equipment to buy. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. to quite do this. What What were the things that, that held you back for those two years where you, you had the idea you were going to do it, but something was holding you back? <laughs> That's a great, yeah, that's definitely a good question. Um, you know, let's say I haven't even thought about that. What was it? I mean, I was basically, well, here's what held me back. Um, I was doing a section and some people won't even know or care about this, but I was uh, making money doing Amazon FBA. I've been in the online marketing space for a while. So, but a lot of people probably don't know it, but on Amazon, there's tons of what they're called as third-party sellers. And there's these small companies that come on and they basically have a product they create or they have and they sell it and it's through Amazon. It's fulfilled by Amazon. That's what FBA. Okay. So basically, as a as a brand or a company, you have this product. You ship it to Amazon warehouses, and they do everything. Mm. So when when the customer comes and buys a product on Amazon, they don't even realize a lot of times. But a lot of times, it's from these small companies. And I was one of those small companies. So I did that for over two years, and I mean, things were actually we were making like six figures and stuff like that, and it was kind of crazy. But it was just it wasn't the space I was enjoying the the products. It was kind of it wasn't fly fishing. It was just, I was trying to make some, some money basically. And what was it? So what I was did the product. So I, I had a couple for, well, what the main product was, uh, so like Camelback, you know, the company yeah. Camelback. So I was selling, I was manufacturing hydration bladders, okay. my own hydration bladders. Yeah. So had my home, my own brand and the whole process. I mean, I was literally, um, I mean, through, I had a whole uh, logistical uh, infrastructure through China right? Because a lot of this stuff goes through China and I had a whole, I had my whole team in, in China essentially. And uh, it was, it was actually really cool to, to connect with that because I had um, like my right hand people, they were all in China. Literally I was talking to people over there and they were sending stuff and I would get, I would get shipments of literally on ships would come over and it was just this huge thing. And it was, it was fun, but it was really cutthroat. There was people that were taking down your listing and stuff and I just <laughs> wasn't enjoying it. So I said, you know what? I love fly fishing. I already had the blog going since 2015. I said, you know what? Why not just try this podcasting thing with with fly fishing? And the wet fly swing came to me and I launched it. And it's been the, by far the most traction. And it was obvious it was the right thing. Hmm, that's awesome. And so I'm interested in the, I use a hydration bladder for a lot of different things. But uh, what was it about that space that you felt like there was a, there was a, you had a competitive edge or there was a, a hole in the market or? Yeah. So. So that's, that's the problem is that I went into it, not with that, which is the way any company should, but I went into <laughs> it more looking at the analytics. Cause I knew all the FBA stuff and I said, okay, where's an opportunity to actually make some money. And so I did, I knew all the research. I knew exactly 
how Camelback wasn't doing a good job on Amazon. And I found my fit and I ranked, I mean, I was, I was top of the chart, you know, I was in there. So when you searched hydration bladder, I was above, well, I probably wasn't above Camelback, but I was on the first page. So people would see it. And yeah, we were selling, you know, thousands of these things. And um, so, yeah, that was the problem. I knew the numbers, but it was essentially just a hydration bladder. Hmm. Well, the one thing I, d- I guess I did make with it, it had an insulated pouch. So you could actually keep your stuff in the hot days or cold. Right. You keep it from freezing or getting hot. So that was my one competitive advantage. And that, that was a pretty cool feature. But again, it wasn't enough to compete with the Camelbacks. And I wasn't super passionate about it. That was probably the bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah, but it's probably a good experience, though. You learned how, the ins and outs of, of that business, and it could be cut through. So people would take down your listings? Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, I had people... There's these, I don't know where they are around the world, but they would come in and they knew more about it. Yeah, they would literally take your listing over. So instead of buying your product, the customer would think they're buying yours, but it would go to their product. And (laughs) well, it was really weird. I don't know. And the problem was, is Amazon really doesn't care much about those third party sellers. So you would call Amazon, you know, their staff and be like, hey, somebody took my listing over and they wouldn't care really. They wouldn't. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say, I've had that happen where you think you're buying from buying something and you get a similar product in the mail and it's like, this isn't, this isn't what that's, I wanted or yeah, it's not exactly, I mean, maybe it'll yeah. do, but it's not really what I was hoping <laughs> that's for. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. pretty, uh, that, that's like hackers getting in there. Oh that's yeah. Pretty, pretty, Big time. pretty good strategy, I guess, if you're, if you're trying to sell, <laughs> sell a lot of stuff. So when you started the podcast, what, um, what was your kind of initial idea on a theme yeah. So that was the good thing is that the wet fly swing, you know, the first thing, and I still get these questions. People come on thinking like, oh, I don't know anything about steelhead fishing. Maybe I won't be a good guest because I've interviewed everybody, you know, not only you, but all the pretty much the big names around the world. And, you know, at least in this country and fly fishing and a lot of them aren't steelhead fishermen or wet fly fishermen, right? They're, they're just, you know, I just had Kelly Gallup on uh, oh, cool. recently and Davey Watton and, you know, a lot of these guys that are awesome and, you know, they're, they're specific in other areas, but, um, so, yeah, I mean, it was steelhead. I started out thinking I love steelhead fishing. I'm out here in the Northwest and I figured, you know what, if I can just dig into steelhead fishing, this is going to be awesome. And I, the first 30 episodes were all steelhead and I had, uh, you know, Trey Combs on and, and lots of big names in the steelhead game. But after about, you know, those 30 episodes, I was thinking back and I said, what do I want this to be? And I, and, our, and what do I want to do? And I didn't want to just be the steelhead guy. I wanted to be the fly fishing guy. I wanted to explore all these stories in fly fishing and I said, you know what, why not try something else out? So I went into a season in trout fishing. Mm. So I interviewed a lot of the people, you know, I'm sure in the trout fishing game, you know, some of those bigger names. And then we got into a destination season. And then I had, you know, a whole season on, you know, Oliver White and a bunch of those guys. And it was, you know, and so I'm going through these seasons, which I don't think is the critical piece. But for me, it's just being broad as far as the fly fishing space. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Do you think it's important? Like you said, you, you just kind of mentioned there briefly that you, maybe seasons aren't that important, but do you think, I've always kind of wondered that, like, should I, should I be like doing like a, a bonefish series or a tarpon series and you kind of keep things together or is it more about how it's organized on the website so people can yeah. go back and they can find all the bonefish episodes or all the steelhead episodes or what's your opinion exactly. on that? Do you think you should have like a season? Yep. Uh, well, I think, I don't think the season is critical as far as on your podcast. In fact, I think if you just had, I think the seasons like the serial podcast, those ones where actually you really need to know what's going on. I think that's the more, most important thing. 
for the podcasting, I do seasons just because I've been doing them. And so for the podcast, I don't think, but for the blog, I think it is. And that's why I do it because I'm organizing things like for Steelhead. I want to have everything in steel. And like right now I'm doing a mini series on drift boats. I'm doing the history of drift boats. So this is cool because I'm going to have a huge epic, you know, epic blog post. Basically it's going to be a a really good resource for drift boats. So everybody will go to the website and they'll have all these podcasts. It'll be all organized and very straightforward. And And that's why I do the seasons. I think it's important for Google. There's a lot of that stuff where if you're organizing your website very well, Google likes that, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's user experience. So the better you can do that, the better off you'll rank. Yeah. So how long have you been working on the drift boat uh, portion of it? I just started and it's just, this is just a 12, I haven't decided yet, probably a 15 podcast series, but I just literally today or yesterday, the history of drift boat episode came out, which has been, I've had huge, it's probably been one of our biggest episodes yet. Mm. And I had a guy who wrote a book called drift boats and river dories and just awesome. We talked about the history of drift boats. A lot of people don't know it, but they started out a hundred years ago in Oregon. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was, I was really interested in that because that's the way I started my guide career was in a drift boat and uh, on the South Fork of the Snake River in Idaho. Oh, nice. And um, I, I was aware that, you know, the McKenzie drift boat is like a Oregon kind of Oregon, Washington, West Coast thing. And then, yep. but you see drift boats all the way on the East Coast. So did they just migrate over over time i mean certainly you see that the um uh the 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 style the 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 size of the boat the the intention of the boat changes with different rivers you get the sit down drift boats now like the like you know the original yep. south fork skiff, skiff and and all of yep. that and and you have these boats that just like just like a skiff just like a bay boat just like anything else they evolve over time to a very specific area very specific need but what how did the drift boat make it across the country yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting there is a little bit of gray area in there but essentially what happened was there were some boats this is back in the 20s or whatever it was 1920s there were some boats that you know eventually obviously the guys came out from the east to the west so they had some boats they weren't anything like a drift boat but um, they had these boats and they started making and then out here they basically started making a boat which essentially became the drift boat but it it you know had flat front end was flat mm-hmm. the back end was flat it kind of actually looked a little like what our current day skiffs these rivers is that a coffler like. is that the, uh is that the man, manufacturer that did that or did they copy us or improve upon a style that was already yeah existing? They, they improved so basically there was these guys back in the 1920s or whatever that was that they created this boat and then slowly every you know few decades somebody did a, a, a something they bettered it right mm-hmm. so for example the double ender two points, mm-hmm. the front and back double ender. That was a huge evolution in the drift boats. And essentially that was what created the modern drift boat. And then eventually they took off the back and the transom and they made it flat for a, for a motor mount. But essentially that was where it started. And then slowly it evolved. And the, dr- the, the really interesting thing, and I love this, this is the Grand Canyon Dories. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen videos of these guys, and I've already made it a goal of mine to go down into drift yeah. boat down the Grand Canyon, but it's amazing these boats. But those were uh, basically created by Martin Litton who took a, a Jerry Briggs, who was out in Oregon, who was building boats on the Rogue, the Rogue River Dory. That's where the Dory name comes from, uh, the River Dory. And he said, went to Jerry and said, hey, can you make this boat for me on the Grand Canyon? And they designed this Dory, which is essentially similar to a McKenzie, just less rocker. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's how it came to be. And then and, so basically- and a little that, bigger, right? Like and the, bigger. Yeah. And, and so a Grand Canyon uh, drift boat is going to be kind of a hard top, sealed top that deck can take over, water yep. right over deck deck right over the top and then it would be self-bailing so if it get the water that gets in the cockpit just 
goes yeah. out. And not right? only that, and not only that, it can roll. Oh, it really? Literally, yeah, they it can probably does. <laughs> that's the thing. You should see. I've actually interviewed Pete McBride, who produced a video called Martin's Boat. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out because it's only 25 minutes long documentary. And it's it's amazing. Uh, it goes through the story of Martin Linton and about how he protected the Grand Canyon through his boats and stuff like that. So it's just this amazing thing. You know, it's this really cool. It's this really cool story. But anyways, that's the Grand Canyon. And, and it's it's for me, I'm a drift boat addict. I have this weird <laughs> thing with drift boats. And that's why I'm documenting the story. I want everybody to understand the history. Have you tried to build a drift boat? Uh, I haven't, but I got raised river dories coming on and they, they're a local wood boat company here. And we're going to, I'm going to talk to them about, um, either I have an old wood boat, we're either going to refinish that one. And what my idea, here's my idea. Tell me if this is crazy or not. I was asking my friends about this. So this is an old boat. It was my dad's. He gave it to me. It needs a lot of work, but I thought, okay, what if I take it into raise the company who made it 40 years ago and say, Hey, can we refinish this? But not only that, let's deck it over and make it ready for the Colorado. Hmm. And I'll, and I'll take a 16 foot 48 inch, which is a small boat down the Colorado and see if we can make it. Wow. Well, you know, what's really uh, popular these days are these, you know, like whether it's a a restoration car video or restoration boat video or whatever that you could, you know, do um, episodes on, on every little uh, iteration of this restoration and what you're doing and how you're doing it. And it it could be video and audio, but uh, it would work audio. Um, just to, just to talk about like yep. everything that's going on and, you know, this week we're doing this to the boat and I think that would be really popular and you have a ton of people that, um, it's the same thing with kind of with, with fly rods. Like you have some people that they don't really want to fish a cane rod, but they'd like to make a cane rod. They don't want to spend, you know, $2,000 or $5,000 on a cane rod that was purchased, but they'll spend 3000 or 5000 or $7,000 to go to a class to learn how to make one. And you have these yeah. kind of uh, handy kind of people that they're, they're just kind of into that. And that, that bamboo fly rod might go up on the wall and never be used. Yeah. Right. But they, they made it and they're proud of that. And it's, they learn like the whole history of what went into this. And there's exactly. a bamboo rod guy that I'm trying to, I've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time. Um, but that was his story. Kind of, he, um, I, I don't know how many he was selling, but when he created a class for people to learn how to build them, it's sold out all the time. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's it's cool. kind of interesting, but I think that would be really cool to, uh, to kind of, you know, talk to those guys because as, as you would be refinishing this boat and stuff, he, he could be telling you, well, over the last 40 years, you know, we have more, we put more rocker in the boat now because of this reason or that reason, or or they've gotten wider for this reason, or they've gotten narrower or, you know, how they've changed over the time. But the, the drift boat, I don't know if there's anything more visually appealing than a beautifully crafted wood drift boat. I mean, yes. maybe a wood canoe. That's another one that is just yeah. gorgeous. You know, I couldn't right. personally, I couldn't possibly have one of those because I would beat the crap out of it. And <laughs> no, me too. <laughs> well, I guess I have one now, but yeah. But I mean, I have to have like fiberglass or maybe even aluminum. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of hard on my stuff, but yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. is just the most beautiful thing. And if you're going to fish it once a week or, you know, it's just going to be you and your family using the boat. Great. You get, you get clients in and out of that thing every single day. I don't know. Maybe if you know a lot about wood and you don't mind refinishing all the rails and everything every year, then 
kind of like teak on an offshore boat. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful oh, yeah. than, than, right. than having beautiful teak on an offshore boat, but man, that requires a yeah. lot of maintenance, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a great idea. And I thought about that recently this week when I had Roger on and we talked a little bit about that, just the, the potential to, uh, yeah, do something like that. I think it's a great idea. Do a little, a little side series, you know, and at the end, and what I thought, well, actually I'll give a shout out to another buddy of mine in the podcasting space, Greg Keenan with the fly fishing insider. We were chat, we chat every week and we've got some stuff going on. He mentioned that he, well, it wasn't that exact thing. He mentioned, why not do a, a series on, um, yeah, just building, essentially building a boat from scratch mm -hmm. and documenting and documenting. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea that fits well. So yeah, I think, I think either what you said or what Greg talked about, one of those things we're probably going to do. And actually the one you mentioned makes more sense because I've already got an old boat and it'd be really cool to show people how you take an old boat and refinish it. Right. So as somebody that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of really, a you love fly fishing. You really like steel heading. You get this opportunity with the, with the podcast and you go to these people. I don't know if you knew them before or whatever. You mentioned Trey Combs. He's a, yeah. he's a legendary angler. Yep. And, and really, as soon as you said that, I kind of even forgot about his, his history and steel heading because he wrote, yeah. he wrote a book called he blue, did. blue water fly fishing. And it was really one of the better books ever written about saltwater fishing. Oh wow! Really, and he had some really interesting knots in that book, and um, huh. just just he did a really really good job on that book. And I guess he used to do a lot of those um, those trips, those long range trips out of San Diego where they go out and catch the tuna and everything way way yeah. off. But I guess he used to do a lot of that. But he he is a is a very talented writer and organizes his thoughts very well. And that book is really nice along with some mm. beautiful pictures, but there's some great stuff in there, some really great knots and that's cool. And uh, some stuff that, that, that I took from that book and, and uh, put directly into my tarpon fishing and mm. it worked great. Like uh, one knot in particular hit, that's where I learned how to tie the, the Steve Huff double figure eight knot, which is the best loop knot for heavy, uh, shock tippet because it hangs perfectly straight and it's no surprise that Steve Huff would come up with something like that because he's, he's the, the guru of all guides. He's yeah. the guide of guides. And, yeah. um, but that particular knot, you know, when you're using 60 or, or we used to use 80 pound, uh, monofilament, it would hang off to the side, you know, so oh, right. you'd pull and the fly would kind of, it wouldn't do what you wanted to so you spend all this gotcha. time on this leader. And then the knot that you used to tie <laughs> the fly on would mess up the whole thing. And he, he yeah. fixed that, you know, with this, with this particular knot, but that's where I learned that knot from Trey Combs. But anyway, getting back to what I was asking is, so you, you, you have this opportunity to go and interview these people. How did you pick your, your first list of, yeah. of people for the first season? Yeah. So, you know, and this is one thing I went into the podcast, um, tr doing it on my own. I have a little bit of a connection to the, to the, I mean, I've been fly fishing since I was five, right. My whole life. My dad was a guide mm, okay. uh, on the shoots. So he, he was a guide. I, I, but I went into the podcast. I didn't tell anybody who my dad was because out here, some people, especially the older people know who he was, Doug Stewart. He was a kind of a, people know him. He's a steelhead guide, invented a couple flies on the shoots that were popular. Um, but I didn't tell anybody that. You know, I just want to do my own thing and see if I can grow this on my own, which we, which I've done. But, um, but my dad, through my dad, I knew a few people and I started out with those people. And, and I think, well, my first guest, um, you know, we started out on the click attack. Um, my first fight, I think Trey was number five and I knew him through Jack Mitchell. So Jack Mitchell, I had connected with, he's a steelhead guide on the click attack. 
And my third guest was, um, let's see, I'm trying to think now, uh, Jay uh, Nicholas, who's another guy I knew kind of through my dad. Um, so there's a, yeah, basically that's how I started. But essentially after I got going, what I realized is the podcasting, that's why the power of podcasting is that you can just reach out to a lot of people and say, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? Mm -hmm. And when people hear podcast, they don't care. They don't know how many, num what your numbers are. They just want to come on because it's a great, and I think it is, it doesn't matter. Numbers really aren't, you know, I think it's, that's the power is you just get somebody on the show and hear their story. It's, it's pretty powerful. So that's what I did. And then slowly I started to ask my guests, they would come on at the end. If I had a great conversation, I'd say, Hey, do you know, maybe a couple of people that would love to have a similar chat. And that's how I built the network. And now we're up to 180 episodes. And most of it's been through referrals, either through my guests or through people, listeners who reached out and said, you need to get this person on. Yeah. So that's, I mean, how, that's how I've done it. That's how, that's how the, some of the best guests that we've ever had. Of course, I had a list like you do when I first got started of people that I definitely wanted on. But some of the best ones have been suggestions from, from people that listen to the show of, you know, I fish with this guy. He's got an interesting story. You may never have heard of him. And in a, in a lot of cases, the people that I had never heard of, I kind of look into. I look, Instagram's a great place to kind of get an idea of what somebody's doing and who they are. And, and uh, reach out to them and get them on the podcast. And and honestly, some of those stories have been some of the most popular ones. But it's yeah. it's usually user, you know, listener generated yep. ideas on either content or um or or guests. Yeah. Have you I ever think, had anybody think, tell you no? <laughs> uh yes. Let's see. I can't I can't even think. Well, I won't give any names. But yeah, I've had a I've had a couple um that have said no but for the most part it's just a matter of it's almost like the sales thing i think if you it's more that they don't find like recently greg senyo who who is uh you know out in the midwest done some great stuff i emailed him or i didn't email i went on facebook i messaged like, sent him a message like two years ago and didn't hear back and it wasn't one of those things where i followed up i just sent him never heard back I was like, okay i guess greg doesn't want to come on well this year greg reaches out to me and says hey man sorry i don't i don't do facebook or whatever he said i'd love to come on the show yeah. And so that that's more of it. But I think there's some people. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple that just didn't want to do it. But I think I it's 99% of the people. I think once you connect with them and some of them take a little time, there have been a few guests where I've literally it's been a couple years, maybe a year or so to get them on where I really wanted to get them on. I put the effort in where it was like, OK, I start out with an email, a few follow ups over a two year period or whatever it was. And they came on. So. Yeah. So what are the big things that you learned in that first season of, of Steelhead? You got, you got something that you're pretty familiar with. Uh, you grew up in a, in a, in a family of, of, a of a steelhead guide. You're, you're a steelhead fisherman yourself, but I'm imagining that, that you probably learned uh, a few things pretty, maybe, maybe things that you didn't expect. What, what were some of those things that you kind of remember that you took away from that first yeah. season? Yeah. And you're thinking more specifically with the fishing. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, you might learn about, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of, of being a guide or, or, or yeah. how obsessive steelhead fishermen can be. Yeah. I mean, you probably already knew that, but I mean, I'm sure some yep. of these stories that you're getting are, are, uh, pointing out other things. I, I mean, I like to learn all kinds of things. And a few of the things that I learn when I'm interviewing the guests have something to do with, with direct things about fishing like a knot or a fly or or something yeah. like that but more you you just kind of learn about what it what people have put into yeah. this career that they've made yeah no i i learned a ton i mean it's unbelievable i could go back right now and listen to those 30 episodes and learn hundreds of more things you know i mean that's again why i love your know, podcast because it's evergreen but i had a few episodes that were just huge um 
you know, for example, I love to go back to the Tom Larimer episode because he broke down summer steelhead fishing in the daytime, which was always a big thing on the Deschutes where people said you can't catch steelhead in the daytime on the Deschutes. And he broke down his five steps. Like, here you go. Here's what you need to do to do it. So I love that stuff. And I think all the listeners love that. Um, you know, Adrian Cortez was on recently and he broke down. I mean, he ties flies in hand. Um, and he also fishes winter steelhead with a dry line. Like literally talk about the hardest thing ever. Not only is it hard to catch a winter steelhead, but he's trying to catch them without using any weight. Mm. So that was interesting to hear. Um, you know, I had people talk about just, you know, swing. I, I, what I learned is I didn't know. I mean, I obviously knew a lot, but there's a lot I didn't know, you know, and that's the cool thing is that that's why it's so cool to have these shows out there because you can go right now and get any of my guests, you can get a bunch of tips, just like on your show. You know, there's tons of these people that they snitch down. They, they know their niche so well, like these guides. I mean, I guided to a little bit, but I'm not a, like a lifetime guide. So I, I didn't really niche down into my area as much as some of these guys do. And I mean, that's, that's what they do every day. They're thinking like, how do I, how do I kind of raise it just maybe a little bit better? And that's why they're so amazing because they think way more than anybody else about this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what they're talking about on the podcast. And yeah. So yeah, there's just tons. I can't even think of so many tips, but it's that. And then the business side of podcasting is really always been interesting to me. And I didn't know anything when I started comparatively. And now I know so much more about what I'm doing and how to provide value and storytelling. And, you know, I'm in a couple of mastermind groups that are people that, that aren't even in this space, but they're, you know, they've got businesses and, you know, all this stuff. So, I've just learned about the whole, you know, the networking thing or that, but just the business side of podcasting is really uh, interesting. I, I have a whole nother podcast. I started outdoors online marketing. Which yeah. Is a whole I was going to ask you about that. What is yeah, that? Yeah. So, so it's a podcast that, you know, and this is the joke of podcasts, so you know, this as well, right? Cause <laughs> you have this waypoint, the whole thing you have going, but the joke was, is that you start a podcast, you can't stop with just one, right? You know, that's the podcast. If you're a podcaster, you're probably going to have more. And I went, you know, a couple of years with just one. And eventually, you know, I said, I love the online marketing space. And I know a lot of people there. I've been doing that since like 2014. And there's a lot of great people there, tons of awesome. So I said, you know what, why not try to start a podcast in that space where I interview these expert online marketers? And there's lots of great people that aren't spammy and they're just really cool people. Bring them on the show. And to make it fun, we'll just we'll just pick a fly fishing company and we'll analyze that company and, and find ways to help them with online marketing. Wow. So that's that's what I do. So I brought uh, I'm not sure if anybody's heard of Jay Abraham, but he's like a billionaire. Oh, well, he's a he he coaches billionaires on their kind of on their strategies and things. I had him on the podcast. Literally, this guy who's, you know, works with Tony Robbins and he's just this huge guy. He came on and we talked about um, a rod company, you know, how to give this, you know, and so it's just, it's more well, fun well, than anything. So does yeah. he have anything to do with fly fishing or fishing at all? So you Zero. just pick this rod company and what were, what, what were his observations? Like right away, he looks at the price point. He looks at like how many people are doing this and he's like, okay, this is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little, it's a little more broad than that because there is a little bit there where, you know, they don't know a lot of times I've had to have guests that do know the industry very well. Uh, yeah. But I'm more interested some in somebody that, like that that doesn't know the industry yeah. and is like, well, these are the yeah, basic yeah. principles of selling anything. And why aren't you people doing this? Like, yeah, yeah you, exactly. You know? Yeah. Like what, what, yeah, what did a, he say though? He basically, it was a little more general. Um, you know, we didn't get into it. I think the company we talked about was Native Rod Company, which is kind of a, a smaller, medium-sized rod company. And I was just talking about like, you know, to be honest with you, I have so, so many episodes now. Yeah. I can't remember exactly the details. Um, and I will put a link at uh, Tom Rowland. Uh, let's see. 
trying to think of a good place to put a link out to some of these things. Oh, we can um, put it in our notes. You just hand, yeah. you sh- send it to me and I'll, we'll, we'll get it in there. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I'm kind of drawing a blank a little bit of a, exactly what uh, what uh, Jay talked about. But it was basically we said, you know, building the brand. How do you do that? You've got this company he's struggling with. One of them was marketing. He said, you know what? He doesn't have a ton of money for ads, which a lot of small companies don't. They don't have tens of thousands of dollars to pay somebody for advertising. So how do we help that company grow? And he talked about this whole thing of um, this idea of preeminence. It's basically the idea of, you know, I don't want to ruin it because it's, uh, I can't do it justice, but essentially there's, um, it's almost like influencer marketing, Mm -hmm. right? You go out, you have this whole thing on Instagram and you find an influencer. That's not what we're talking about. And I actually had a guest that talked just about influencer marketing as well on the show. But what Jay said was, it's kind of that networking piece. You know, you build those relationships and then you build and then you reach out to a company, kind of like what we're doing, right? We're both podcasters. I'm connecting with you. We might have some joint venture that comes from this. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, maybe maybe I promote Waypoint or maybe there's something going on, but it's that where you go on and you connect. So he said, why not native fish, native rod company? Why don't you go out to those company, those customers, find out, talk to your customer, okay, they use fly rods. What else do they need? Who are the other companies that they're buying from? And then reach out to those companies and say, hey, we got this customer who's awesome. Can we work together on something? Hmm. You know, so you're leveraging there, right? So you're going to go out and leverage like me. I mean, this is a good example. I'm leveraging a little bit your audience, you know, because sure. you have a good following. There's probably going to be some people that are interested in steelhead or just fly fishing in general. They're going to look at the wet fly swing podcast and they might be a listener. Yeah. I mean, that's a hundred percent the, the, the way that the podcast grows the most is to be on other podcasts um, and, and to get in front of another audience. Because for one thing, the P who, who, who is a potential listener of a podcast, it's probably not somebody that's never listened to a podcast before. I mean, they might, you might be able to recruit them over, but people that listen to a lot of podcasts are probably your most likely low hanging fruit. Like that's somebody that's exactly. probably looking for something new. Oh, I like what I heard. I'll, I'll check it out, you know, and, uh, yeah. or, or not, but you know, it's, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting, that type of marketing. So you talk about that on the, on your, your show marketing and what other types of things do you cover in that? show uh so that's mainly i mean mainly the focus is that it's online marketing so i've had guests like you said the guesting i had john lee dumas who has a huge podcast called yes yeah i've had i've had huge guests it's been amazing how do you get somebody like that it's it's the way you do it is again it's so cool because it's um i have a little bit of a connection to the online market so i know john a little bit not really but i mean we've talked emailed over the years so um and i know his team and now we've worked a little bit on stuff and you know i'm doing some affiliate stuff now mm. but um but yeah i just reached out to john john the cool thing about john is he's obviously teaches podcasting so literally uh he will go on anybody's show mm-hmm. like bottom line he, but it's only like a 20 minute thing because he knows just what you're saying the power of guesting right which is what we're doing right here he says that he doesn't care if that person has like a hundred people that follow he knows that if he just gets one person that's great because mm-hmm. the chances are they will follow and subscribe to his show and so that's why again i think jld is awesome and um, but to answer your question i just it's online marketing so it's fairly broad but i've had facebook ads experts i've had um 
you know, YouTube, X, you name it, right? I've covered a little bit of all the online marketing. You name the 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 topic. I've probably had a guest in the first. We've only got about thirty five episodes. Wow! Now, but, so yeah. between the between the the fishing podcast and the online marketing outdoor online marketing podcast, which have you personally learned more from? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, it's uh it's fly fishing just because I mean, there's more episodes and you know, there's, we've covered more, it's been longer. Uh, but the marketing, I mean, I'm telling you, it's crazy every week. I try to narrow it down to do one takeaway for each episode for me because there's so much and mm -hmm. you can't implement everything. And I always say, even when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, okay, if I can get one nugget and just take one thing away and implement it, not just take it away, but actually do it. I'm good with that. So, but there's just so much to learn there, you know, and that's why people get, um, why they struggle because yeah. it's just too much. And, and it seems to change all the time. Exactly. I mean, not, not really all that much unlike fishing, you know, like as soon as you kind of get it nailed, the season changes, or as soon as you kind of, kind of understand what's going on, you know, you get some new uh, materials in the rod building space. And now, now everybody's getting different rods. And then, you know, you have Euro nymphing will come on and now everybody's getting these other rods and why, I guess I need one of those and what I just was getting used to this other way I was fishing. And now it's like everything keeps changing and, and that is somewhat by design so that you can keep selling things. But on the, yeah. on the other hand, it's also because you have to continue to improve or at least change. I mean, some of, some of the new tactics may catch more fish. doesn't necessarily mean that they're better tactics than, than the old tactics. Like it, it seems like that's just what the fish have gotten used to. And you start some, doing something different and then, you know, whatever is old is new again at some <laughs> point, you know, and yeah, all of a sudden people will be throwing, you know, Royal coachman's again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of all these other uh, flies that, that everybody's throwing these days. Um, yeah. But that's an interesting thing that the online uh, uh, marketing, because that, that honestly, that's something that, that I struggle with because I see some people do so incredibly well with it and it just looks effortless. Really, honestly, yeah. again, not unlike fishing. Most people look at a fly fisherman and they're like, God, why can't I do it like that? It looks like that guy's not even <laughs> trying. Like it doesn't look like he's trying and he hasn't had a win. He fished for a week and he didn't get a knot in his line. Like what in the world am yeah. I doing wrong? Because <laughs> I do it for 30 seconds and I've got 50 knots in my line, you know? So that's, that's kind of the same way that I look at online marketing. I'm like, why is, are, are some of these people just killing it? Yeah. And with the same, seemingly the same approach, I'm looking at another person with very similar content, with very similar product, with very similar, everything about it is very similar. And this one is killing it. And this one is getting, you know, 20 likes on their posts and has 145 followers. Yeah. Like I just can't, it, it's hard to see what that secret sauce is. And I, I study it, you know, but, yep. but the funny thing is, is I don't know what I'm studying. I'm just, I'm really not studying. I'm observing. I'm, I'm observing like intensely, but with, with no real conclusions drawn. Yeah. I know. I know. I hear you, man. I mean, it's a struggle for me. It's the reason I started the podcast. I, I wanted to dig more into that and understand what makes these big people tick. So yeah, you can listen to some of that over there and, and kind of hear from the greats uh, and see what they have to say. I mean, there are some tips and strategies. You know, I had an Instagram, uh, uh, Jen Herman, who's an Instagram, you know, she's um, an expert, right? That's what she does. She makes her living on teaching Instagram. And she gave a tip, um, like a top 
it was her, it, her hashtag tip. So here's how to do hashtags. And it was really good. It was like, don't just go for the millions, tens of millions of dollar hashtags, go for a certain, there's a formula. And she says, don't go for anything more than a million because it's split seconds. It's gone in the feed. Mm -hmm. Go for something, you know, in that kind of the million range, but then go for something in the 500,000 range and then something in the 10,000 and something in the, you know what I mean? So you're, so Instagram feeds out over time. So your stuff just doesn't get a snippet. It actually gets more views. So there's some of that strategy stuff that, that helps. Um, but I don't know. I think it's more just the business. Hmm. I think it more just comes down to your your customer. Who's your listener? Who's your customer? Are you serving them? Right. Are you providing content that they love? You know, like on Instagram, we had a photo. I joked about this because I had this drift boat photo, which I literally, this is how funny it is. You know, Instagram's about all these beautiful photos. I literally was reading this drift boat book, like from my guest, Roger, how to build drift boats and the history of drift boats. And there was this photo in it of Martin Lennon, one of those boats. It was the first drift boat that he made for the Grand Canyon. And it literally looked like there were two coffins next to him in the drift. But it was this really weird photo. I took a cell phone screenshot with my cell phone, a picture of that book. I posted on Instagram with a little bit of text. It's my number one uh, most viewed Instagram post. Hmm. And it's a crappy photo of a black and white old boat. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that you know, you know your listeners. You saw, you said, that is strange. Like, that is yeah. a weird looking boat. I've never seen that before. And, and then you post it and you, it, it resonated with your audience because they had never seen it either. Or it's like, oh, I remember that, you know, or some, yeah. some way it resonated with them. I've had some pictures like that of just, just the most basic things that just take off. And sometimes you, you just wonder, is that the time of day? Or is that just that particular day? Did that, would anything have taken off right then or like right. what? I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. I think it's cool to, that you know so much about this area because I want to ask you getting back to the fishing. Yeah. What do you think? Um, well, I, the ultimate question is where are we going with fishing and social media? Uh, yeah. To get there, I'd like to know what you think about the impact social media has had on fishing. Yeah, I think you know, I'm big, you know, in the podcasting and teaching and the podcasting is good example because I kind of teach a little bit podcasting. I've got a whole thing. You can go, I've got a, a 30 day challenge, which is a 30 day start a podcast challenge. And it's this thing I create, which is if you go sign up for it, 30 days, you'll get the steps to create a podcast. Mm -hmm. And in 30 days, you'll have a new podcast. So I just broke that down because I love it. And I love teaching more fly fishing podcasts. I'm not afraid of more people coming in because I think the more people we have, that do podcasts, probably the more listeners. And again, it, it all goes around. So I think, you know, the rising tide, right? Lifts all ships and all that. I'm totally in agreement of that in the fly fishing podcasting space. I think that's also the case for, you know, like just people in general, the more fishermen, even though you have a little bit of an environmental thing, right? You, more impacts, more pressure. You know, I feel like the more people that are out there doing it, fishing, the better will be because some of those people are eventually going to get into conservation. You know, I've got this thing behind me, the, the planet, which is kind of a little, just not, I don't talk a ton about conservation, but it's my way of saying, you know, we all live on this thing and we've got to protect it. And, and it, it's important. Obviously everybody knows it's important. It's not a political thing. It's just like, but the more people that fly fish or fish in general are probably going to protect their species because they want to catch them. So they kind of, a lot of them become conservation minded. And, and so that's kind of a, a big part of it. Um, so for me, I always think about my mission and why I'm doing this and the storytelling is a big part, but also that conservation piece is also a big part for me. Um, so 
and I guess to answer your question, go back to your, your initial question. I want to make sure I hit it right. Well, I just wondered, like, what do you think the impacts of social media have been on fishing yeah. so far? Yeah. And, and that's where I was going with that is that I think that some of it is, you know, is that there probably is some negative stuff there. Um, you know, I mean, well, let's just take the keep them wet example, right? Mm -hmm. You've got this keep them wet thing, which is a great thing, is a great thing. I mean, people get hammered all the time for, you know, they show a fish out of the water and it's not wet. And it's like, why are you not keeping your fish? So I'm not all that is, I think there's, there's, uh, you know, ambiguity there as well, because I don't think some fish, it's not going to hurt them to take them out of the water for a little bit. Um, but I think most importantly, it's like, keep them wet. That's important for the general public because some people have no idea. They might keep, keep take the fish out of the water for like two minutes. Mm -hmm. And if they hadn't heard of keep them wet, they would never know. So that's what the social media is good for. It's like, it lets people know that, okay, there's this thing, keep them wet. And sometimes they get called out big time. I think that's the bad thing of social media because there's these trolls and there's stuff out there that, that makes it negative. Um, but I just think it's positive, to be honest with you. I look at social media overall as a positive thing. I mean, there are a lot of negatives, but overall I think it's positive because it's promoting, it's promoting what we do. It's like the drift boat thing. I put this photo out there and people are going to learn about drift boats and they're probably going to get into, you know, somehow they didn't know about it, but through podcasting, through Instagram, they're going to learn about it. And they're probably eventually going to get into fly fishing or into saltwater fishing. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's part of us, you know, I think it's, we all social media, some people don't do social media, but for the most part, if you have a company, if you don't do social media, um, maybe you can look at the magazines. Here's a good example. I'm taking this more into business, but there's a lot of magazines that are going out and a lot of those magazines, if they would have taken the lead, if they would have taken the lead and built their magazine online a while back, they would be great right now. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I think you got to be like any business. You've got to always be ahead of the puck and know where it's going right before to, to, to kind of be keeping your business going. So I didn't really answer your question specifically, but that's no, my No, but I mean, you're, you're a, I, I like your attitude. You're, you're a positive guy. You're, you're not certainly not looking at the, at the negatives you know, social media has certainly had lots of impacts on, on everything. I mean, there's almost nothing that social media hasn't impacted in some way, shape or form. Fishing is, is one where, you know, you have a lot of people that think that, uh, there's too much information out there and, and people yep. aren't paying their dues to, to, um, to learn the things that, that they learned, but to your credit, um, or to your point, they, when they come there, they're more educated. So there may be more people there, but a lot of times they're staying out of people's way or, or, or at least courteous, or at least kind of have an idea what's going on. Um, and then you have, you know, lots of other, lots of other things with social media that are always talked about, you know, is it, you know, how does, how does fishing and bikinis go together? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and apparently yeah. it goes pretty well because, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of followers on those pages, but, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of questions of like, where, where are we going with this whole thing? And then what is the responsibility of people that have big accounts to be the, the leader, the mentor, the, the example for everyone else? Like, is, wh yeah. what do you think? Is there, is there a, yeah. is there a responsibility as you start to grow your online presence and you are into the fishing world or you, you mm -hmm. become some sort of opinion leader, whether that's a, uh, a podcaster or a tournament winning professional in some type of fishing, or what do you think that the, the responsibility is for those 
leaders of all different kinds uh, as it applies to social media. Yeah, that's again, these are these are awesome to think about. Um, I mean, what I think is that I think we do have a responsibility. I mean, I guess I kind of maybe look at the NBA. I don't watch a lot of sports now because I don't have time. But I look at that and say, OK, the NBA, right? These are role models in that whole thing. Like some of these Unless guys, Charles Barkley. Yeah, well, that's like, what I mean. I'm no and role model. Some, no, I know. I know there's some of that stuff where you're like, OK, and I get that, too, because you can't hold them up. You know, there's certain things where, yeah, maybe that doesn't hold up, but, but they are in the public, you know, they are in the public. So if they're out there, you know, uh, gangster rapping and talking about killing and stuff, I mean, that's, that's not okay. Right. There's this stuff, you know, lower scale stuff, like on the podcasting, if I am throwing F-bombs and like talking about, I mean, all that stuff, and I'm okay with that. In fact, we've talked about that before. Like, well, should you explicit cut your explicit things out? And I've, I've kind of landed on that I do. When I can, I, I still have some episodes just because, you know, I mean, who knows who listens to this, I mm -hmm. think. And I'm also doing sponsorship. So I think keeping a clean show is is important. Uh, you know, I'm not against the explicit language for sure, because I think that you also feel the person when you hear them talk and throw out some F-bombs. In right. fact, I had one I had one gal, uh, Rachel, uh, way back. She's uh, guides out in New York. Um, I mean, she was f-bomb every minute it was like i mean i didn't even count but she probably said you know probably cussed like a hundred times on the show i left it all in there because that was her it, you know she yeah. was smoking a stogie i mean that's her and i didn't want to cut that i would have been terrible if i would have bleeped all that you know yeah I mean? well i mean that's the that's the new media is is it's like on a radio interview that all gets bleeped out and they're just like well we can't hear from that person that person doesn't even have an opinion that's 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 uh important yeah. because they can't abide by the the, the rules, but I, I think those rules are antiquated and old, and 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 you should hear. I, I never. I mean, everybody that comes on the show, they're like, "Can I?" I mean, I'm sorry. Should I cuss? Do I cuss? I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, be yourself. Like, just be yourself. If that's the way you you are, and that's the way you yep. want to portray yourself to the world, then go for it, man. Personally, I don't. Or, or that much i yeah. try not to um because i don't think that it's i don't know i've always thought that like the cussing is 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 an easy it you know if like for a comedian like one of my favorite comedians is brian regan and brian regan is totally clean and he's as funny as anybody out there but he's he's totally clean by choice because he thinks it's a cheap laugh to you know throw the f-bomb out Exactly. Or it's, and, and he's like, it's a funny interview because he's like, you know, I just decided that I'm going to work on my communication skills. I'm going to try to make jokes that are, that are clean and, yeah. uh, and not, not cuss. Well, that works for him. Yeah. It doesn't work for everyone, you know? And, uh, and so I don't know, but I do like him and I do think that it's, that it's kind of interesting to, to, to think about that because you, you think about the, the, the tools that a comedian has cussing a lot is like the fastest way to laugh. So to say that you're not going to do that, that's pretty yeah. bold. Like you're just not going to do that. Like even that's, that's yeah. you're, you're leaving a lot on the table. Yeah. 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 No, I hear you. And, and I, you made me think about Hank Patterson, who I know you interviewed <laughs> and I, I, I interviewed as well. I, uh, you know, he taught, we talked about it because I talked to, uh, you know, him as not as Hank Patterson, but actually as himself as well. For you did. Part of the show. Well, that's yeah, what we, I we, wanted we did, to do too. Uh, we I couldn't both. decide. Yeah, I know. Me neither. Well, we got into it and I did, and that's how I do my shows. I start at one thing and I, and I kind of have this arc that I'm thinking, but if it goes another round, 
And that one started out as Hank Patterson, but eventually we got into talking about him as Travis Schul- or Yeah, Travis. And, uh, and he got into some deep stuff talking about how his uh, guest, his host died of cancer. And we got into some, and at the end I told him, I said, Hank, or I said, Travis, you know, this has been amazing because I didn't know where this was going to go, but I appreciate that I was able to talk to you and hear a little bit of your story. So that was awesome. But Hank, in that story, he said he bleeps out his cuss, the cussing because he thinks it's funny. Yeah. He thinks it's, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that's like his shtick, his shtick <laughs> yeah. is, is to bleep it out. Like, like you, it doesn't even matter what he's saying. And, and sometimes he's probably not even cussing. It's just like, no. beep, 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 beep. Yeah. That guy has... It is really one of the most original, funny, unique people, certainly in the fishing world. He is yeah. just, I think he's hilarious. I, I mean, yeah. those first, that first video, he had me as a lifetime fan when he was doing that show and it was around Yellowstone and, and he's yep. talking to his girlfriend <laughs> and in the background, just barely out of focus. He's like, make sure you get, you take the bear spray and the dude turns around and oh, yeah. he sprays himself in the face with the bear spray. <laughs> I laughed until I cried. I thought it was yep. so funny. And then he has this whole guide humor that if you are a fishing guide or you've ever been a fishing guide <laughs> or you even go with a lot of fishing guides, you understand this humor that it's not like directed at the customer in a real negative way. It's just par for the course, man. People get in your boat and they don't know what they're doing. And yeah. and there's a lot of guide humor that is, you know, like, when we used to get together after trips, that's what you did. You talked about all the things that happened and laughed and laughed and laughed. And, and, you know, the next day you're super professional and you just kind of get yeah. back on the deal, but he exactly. brings all that together in this Hank Patterson character. And he's just so funny, man. I love yeah. that, that character. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, yeah, yeah. The nipping one too is, is just classic as the, the, the indicator versus the bobber, you know, it's like, it's just, yeah, it's Yeah. Yeah, you know the other guy you should think about. The other guy, and I haven't had this guy on yet, but I, I hope to eventually. Is have you seen the huge fly fisherman? Well, yeah, uh, the guy yeah. that helps me, Connor, that helps me with the show. He suggested him a couple of times. Uh, he's got some funny things. Like, yeah, he's a huge fly fisherman, and he shows if you don't know his his Instagram or whatever, <laughs> he's standing with mountains about at his knees, and he's holding a fish, and he's a huge fly fisherman. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like it's yeah, exactly. really funny. Yeah, the way so that he photoshops all his stuff. Yeah, it's a little different than Hank's. Actually, his is his is I think you know educational. I always say with podcasting, you you have to have three. There's three E's of podcasting, right? You have education, uh, you've got entertainment, and you've got emotion. Mm. And if you can, and if you could hit on at least one of those things, you, you're doing okay in an episode. If you can get two, you're doing really well. You know, and three is like the grand slam. You know, and and that guy educates as well. He's he's entertaining and he's educating because he is teaching for a beginner. If you come onto that you know, you're going to learn something. So that's good. And, and then the emotion is like, for me is like the bonus, you know, sometimes, which I struggle with, like how much emotion do you get into things? Right. If somebody's, because some of our listeners probably don't want to hear the story of like, you know, my guest's uh, dad dying because we're, we're focusing on nip fishing. You know what I mean? But I, I think that's, those I don't stories know. Are, I think it's, really I good. think it's kind of where, where you direct the show. Like I, I'm careful with with this show to to talk about a lot of different things so that when something up, does come up like that it's not like this huge surprise it's like somebody that is telling their story and that's a big part of their story and they and it's a big part of where they are and it's a big part of why they're interesting it may be a terrible event that happened to them in their life but if that event hadn't happened in a lot of cases they wouldn't be doing what they're doing 
And, um, I don't know. I think that, yeah, I think that that's okay sometimes. And then the thing about, you know, like what you're doing and what I'm doing is there's a lot of episodes to choose from. And if this one, you know, like I listen to Joe Rogan all the time yep, and me too. I don't, some of them, I'm just like, mm, not interested now onto the next one. And, oh, this mm -hmm. one's good. I like this one. And he does so many different things that you can find something, even with the stuff that he's putting out on a regular basis, you can find something that you're interested in. And then there may be other thing. I mean, some people probably listen to him and, and don't listen to anything associated with the UFC. They're just not interested in the UFC. Right. Or other people are yep. not interested in stand-up comedy. Or other people are not interested in health and fitness. And, hmm. and, and there's plenty else to choose from. Uh, that's that's true. A, I think that's kind of an interesting thing that was something that he's done very well. Uh, but other shows are very niche. Like every yeah. time you get to this show, it's going to be the same format, the same type of information, yeah. the same. And, yep. and that's good too. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yep. I don't know which is better or if there is a better. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm more like you. I tend to do, I tend to, I like the stories. So it's like with our episode, you know, we heard a little bit of your background. It was great to hear your story and then plug it into some. Well, and actually yours is a good example because some of these ones are so interesting because you have the podcasting, you got all these things I'm really interested in, the health and wellness that we didn't talk about fishing at all. We could have dug into saltwater, some species. We didn't do much of that just because we didn't, you know, there was a, out of time a time limit. Yeah, yeah, we ran out of time. Yeah, we ran out of time. That was the problem is that, but uh, but I loved it because I love those episodes and some of those are my favorites. I could just talk about whatever. Well, one thing that I noticed, uh, Warren Miller came out with a, with an, with a, a podcast and I can't oh, wow. remember what it's called, but I've always loved the Warren Miller oh, movies, yeah. you know, about skiing and when he had Glenn Plake in there and he had the Mohawk and everything's so cool. <laughs> and he just had a real interesting flair of looking at, the, at a sport. And I always thought Warren Miller could have done a great job with, with a fishing movie or with, with anything because he just is looking at it in a slightly different way than maybe an insider is, or maybe even an outsider is. He's kind of like, I don't know. He just had, he just brought an interesting kind of look to skiing and uh, he's got this podcast and I haven't listened to any of them, but I did read the description and the description said, um, we're going to interview the most interesting people in the skiing industry. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about skiing. Like we huh. can talk about anything, but skiing. There you go. And so that is either going to be super popular or the worst or thing really ever. <laughs> so, but I mean, right. you got to kind of swing for the fence a couple of times to see if, yeah. if that is interesting. But, you know, when you get somebody that people really like, they like all kinds of things about this person and how that person got there. Well, what are the things that that person likes to do other than the one thing you know them for? And if there are if there are levels and depths to this person, all of a sudden people become a super fan because they're like, I didn't know he was an artist. You know, I didn't know that that he had a whole photography thing or or he built websites right. or I don't know whatever he did. You know, but it it allows the 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 person that's watching to get to know somebody on a different level. And that's super important. And I think that's probably what you're, you're able to do on your podcast is, is to tell these stories about people that, that, you know, are, are pretty well known and people learn other things about them, about either how yeah. they ended up there or other things they like to do. That's kind of what I like to get to. Yeah. I like to get to the part of like, just, I just remember so much when, when I was, developing my career 
there were there were moments that were like jumping off a cliff like yeah like this is this is a huge decision and i like to try to find out that about my guests like even about you like you were selling these yeah. bladders and you decide to do a podcast when it, what is the moment that you were like okay i'm done with the bladders we're not selling these yeah. anymore i'm moving on what was yeah. that like it was amazing. I knew it right away. I, I literally, <laughs> well, here's what happened. Here's what happened. I was blogging, uh, you know, way back in 2014, right? I was blogging and even at the wet fly swing, you can go see some of the old blogs and I, I wasn't good at it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm an okay writer. I'm getting better. You know, obviously the thing with writing is you've got to write and to become a good writer. And so, uh, but I wasn't a good blogger as far as writing and I wasn't doing, nothing was resonating. I wasn't getting a ton of comments, nothing. And then all of a sudden I started this podcast and literally on day one, I had no experience in podcasting and in interviewing and journalism, anything, but instantly I was getting feedback. People are like, great emails, love it. You know, all that stuff. So I knew with, I knew pretty much on the first week I was like, and not only that, but it felt awesome. Like the fact that I'm like right now we're talking, I love every time I could do these interviews and I'm talking to somebody, I just love it because I mean, we're telling stories, we're talking. And so I knew that from day one. And so, so, as soon as I knew that, I knew that I was leaving where I was at mm. the bladders. I was leaving that. And I was just, it was a matter of time to sell that and get out of that. And, you know, I, I couldn't go fast enough to go all in on the podcasting, <laughs> which is what I did. So let me ask you this question. You're making money with, with the other business. This feels really good. You're really having a great time, but there's no money coming in. That's, that's a big decision right there. And that's something that a lot of people kind of wrestle with of, of they get a little side gig going and it's really fun. And they would do that all the time if they could, but they're not making any money. They've got a, a family and, but all they want to do, their whole heart is telling them to jump to this other thing, but there's just this huge uncertainty. And I get a ton of emails after I, I do these, these podcasts with people who have made that jump. By other people saying, man, that's what I want to do. Like, what, how do you do, how do you kind of navigate that when, when you don't, when there's so much uncertainty about actually, it's not a question of whether you like it or not, or whether you're even good at it or not, or whether you're going to put your energy towards it. Like, although everything's saying yes, but there's no money and you don't have any idea how to make the money. Like, that's a pretty, that's a pretty soul searching kind of deal right there. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. And I've, you know, again, I've been hearing those stories for years, um, you know, from people that have done that. But, you know, I mean, part of it is is getting that landing, uh, you know, getting things light out. And I listened to a recent episode you had, which was a great one. And why I love your podcast is that you had the um, the people that sailed around the world, right, yeah. for the last five years. Yeah, that was, I mean, again, I would never have listened to that podcast. I don't know how to sail. I don't know anything about sailing. And I listened to it because it looked interesting and the story is amazing. Well, I guess I do, I do have goals to um, take my family traveling around the world. I mm-hmm. mean, that's definitely a big goal of mine. I, I would love to like maybe keep our house or whatever, but, but do that and take the kids out and just, you know what, we're going to take this next year or whatever it is and just travel the world. That nice. would be, that's kind of a goal of mine I'd like to do, but so that's probably part of why I jumped into that. But I mean, it's just, um, but getting that, that runway. You know, you can't just jump. I mean, you hear some people say, you know what? I'm going to quit in six months and uh, I'm going to just go all in. I don't care. You, you know what? You can't really do that, especially if you have a family. So you got to get that runway, you know, get some money lined out, have a plan to say like, okay, I'm going to give it two years. 
I'm going to give it five years. I'm going to give it a certain time. And that's, I mean, I think that's a big part of it that, you know, you can't just, at least I couldn't just jump off and there's a, like a, you know, setting the thing out. And now, yeah, I mean, now it's like we have sponsors and we've got some, you know, this, uh, some, uh, like a travel program, this giveaway program we're doing, um, and a lot of different things, a lot of irons in the fire, which have taken over from, you know, all that stuff I was doing with the bladders mm. and, and, but it took, but it took time and it was a slow thing where I, I definitely wasn't jumping off into fully just saying, okay, I'm quitting this and jumping into that. It takes, it takes time. And eventually that's the cool thing is you get there. If you love, if you want it enough, um, because I've had plenty of struggles along the way. Um, but if you want it enough, I think you, 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 we can all get there. That's the beauty of it. You've got to just have the passion for it to stick with it. You know, Seth Godin is another mentor of mine. I always mm-hmm. love going back to Seth and, and he says, I can't remember exactly the quote, but basically it's like, if you have something, you, you just have to stick with it long enough. Just stay with it long enough that eventually all those naysayers, the people that are saying like, don't do it, like your family, right? Sometimes the worst naysayers are your family saying, don't give up that thing because there's, you're crazy. But if you do it long enough and you stick with it, those people will all come and they'll follow you. Right. Because they'll, re- they'll realize that you are that passionate about it. You're going to get there one way or the other. Yeah. That's really good advice. The other you know, one of those sailing, I've done like three or four of the sailing people because I, I, like you're talking about, I don't have any interest in sailing. I'm, I'm not a sailor. I think it's really cool um, that people have, have decided to live an alternate lifestyle that goes so against the grain of the way people make a living and the way people kind of live. And there's a few people out there that are doing it in an RV or they're doing it on a yeah. sailboat or they're doing it, you know, on an airplane or they're, they're just traveling. I mean, and that's super interesting to me. And, and the sailing sophisticated lady, I don't know if that's the one you listened to or if it was the Ruby Rose one lately, but um, the guy that from sailing Ruby. sophisticated lady, he gave the best advice I've ever heard. And he was just straightforward about it. He's like, look, look, you can quit. You can do all the things that you want to do, but you, you have to first, like you're talking about, like make the runway. He was like, you got to eliminate debt and you, you have to, I don't care if you, you know, if you're planning on, on sailing around the world in, uh, in a, in a year and a half and you have some debt, it's not going to happen. He's like, unless you get rid of that debt, and that which could be selling things it could be you know reorganizing your money it could be whatever it is but and and if you have aspirations of doing this in the future drive a crappy car don't get a new car don't get yourself in debt because when you're in debt there is you're you're strapped you're there you're you're in the seat belt it's not coming off and until you free yourself of financial issues there aren't going to be any kind of freeing yourself of cubicles and freeing yourself of of other things like freedom to him was being debt free and then once you're debt free (laughs) follow your passion man do whatever but he was very pragmatic about yeah it's great advice not happening unless you like you're debt free and that takes discipline and determination and and Mm -hmm. a plan between you and your family like yeah. <laughs> you you can have all the aspirations of being debt free you want, but if if an yeah. Amazon package is showing up on the doorstep every day, and something's not right, like you know. know, you know what I mean. Totally agree. Um, yeah. But that's that's kind of cool. I got a new one coming up. Uh, really excited about interviewing these people, and and um, I don't know. I probably shouldn't say it before it comes out, but <laughs> they it's a family of of eight 
and they did something mm. super crazy and with the whole family. So yeah, stand by oh, cool. for that. There you one. go. I'm gonna, That's inter- awesome. I'm gonna do that interview next week. But uh, anyway, nice. so so what do you think? You're uh, where are you going with all this? Yeah, so I love that. I love that question too. Uh, so where I'm going, we're gonna continue. I mean, you know about the sponsorship stuff. Uh, you know, with what you have going. I mean, I'm gonna continue. I've really focused on that for 2021, and and things are going great. Uh, we're not quite at the goal, you know, where I want to get as far as sponsorships, but you know, getting there, I think I will get there this year on that. So that's one piece of it. Um, there's some longer term stuff that I am looking forward to digging more into like the affiliate stuff, but not the Amazon. There's actually in fly fishing affiliates, affiliate sales. There's a lot of companies that don't do that. And I understand that fly shops, you want to support local companies, but I think there is long-term some opportunity there. I've got some ideas of, you know, and this is just from the business side of it, I guess, but and the other thing is I partnered up, I mentioned Greg Keenan, the Fly Fishing Insider podcast. We've become really good friends and now business partners. And we're actually launching a third podcast. Remember, I noted uh, the podcast that you don't stop with one. So I've started a third one I'm going to be producing and, and co-hosting. It's called We Speak Trout. And it's all basically trout, trout fishing, but not only fly fishing, conventional as well. We mm-hmm. just had a, I just did an episode with uh, uh, the fly fish nerds, uh, Clay Groves. Oh, we yeah. talked about ice, yeah, ice fishing. So. Yeah, I had him, uh, I made contact with him a while back to, oh, cool. to get him on the show and, and, uh, we, we just have never gotten together, but, uh, yeah, he's, got nice, awesome. he's got a nice, uh, nice podcast and he seems mm-hmm. to be doing good stuff. Yeah. 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 Clay, Clay's great. He, he knows what he's doing. So, so yeah, so there's, so there's that whole thing. We got the third podcast and that's, you know, that's more of a longer term thing as well, but I'm going to just slowly, the wet fly swing is, you know, that's the flagship. That's, you know, the bulk of the thing. And I'm going to, the next thing we're really launching into this year, and I don't want to go deep into it, but we're doing a, I mentioned it a little bit, but this kind of a giveaway lodge program. And I won't talk about all the details because it's fairly new, but we're going to be working with companies, you know, around the country, around the world to help do some promotional stuff, basically media, wet fly swing media. You know, I mean, that's essentially we're, we're moving more into like a media company and that's going to be promotional stuff, uh, Instagram, email leads, um, you know, content, uh, video, you know, like you said, photos, videographer, having, going to sites, getting these trips, traveling around, but, but coming back to promote, um, promote the lodge. So that's, that's going to be a big piece in the next couple of years. So along with that and the sponsorships, those are the going to be the two big things I'm going to be working on. And who knows, maybe there'll be a fourth podcast. Right well. on. <laughs> probably will. <laughs> yeah, it probably will. Well, tell everybody how they can get uh, in touch with you, how they can follow you, what, what your uh, program is there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so wet fly swing, that's the easiest place you can find me, uh, you know, on social or wetflyswing.com. Um, you can track me down if you have any questions for any of the other stuff we have going. That's where I do most of my, you know, my activities. So that's, that's the best place. Right. And the, the other podcast you have, the outdoor. Yep. Out, outdoors. It's just outdoorsonline.co. Okay. Outdoors on the, yeah, it's just the, yeah, the outdoor outdoors online marketing podcast is a long name, but outdoors uh, online.co is the easy place to go. Okay. And then we speak trout is the other one. And um, yep. all right. That's cool, man. Um, well, listen, I've enjoyed uh, getting to know you over the, uh, yeah. the internet. It's funny that, um, we're, we're both podcasters, but we use different, um, different equipment and different setups a little bit. <laughs> and and when right. I was on your podcast, that was the, definitely the most cumbersome, um, <laughs> most difficult start that I've ever had on a podcast. And I apologize for that, but it, no, it's just funny that, you know, you just, you do it your way. I do it my way. We're both getting good audio, but yeah, when you try to 
be like, no, no, plug it into there. Plug, you know, use this, use that. I was not following. So I'm yep. glad we got that worked out. And then we got great audio on this one. We did. So, um, oh, good. this is great. Um, perfect. This is great. But, uh, thanks so much for having me on yours. That, when will that one be out for the, all the people here that want to listen? Uh, to that? you know what? Let me just take a quick peek. That will be out. I believe, you know, um, do I have an exact date? I think I do. I can tell you right now. I'm doing a little bit of juggling because I'm launching this new podcast, but I can tell you it'll be, I think I want to say in the next, um, I want to say end of January. Okay. So somewhere yeah. around the end of January. Yeah. A lot of people have asked me like, um, they're like, you should have somebody on your show to interview you. And I was like, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't seem <laughs> like, uh, why don't I go on their show and they can interview me? But then, and, and that's exactly what happened. And we talked about a lot of things that, that I haven't really talked about on any other podcast or on this one. Um, just different, different parts of the background and, and, uh, and different things. And a lot of common things that I talk about all the time when, when I'm asked to do those kind of things, but, uh, I felt like that one went, went pretty well. So oh, awesome. uh, you should definitely yeah. go check that out if you guys are interested. And, uh, and you got lots of other great guests that I'm sure that a lot of the listeners here would, would, mm -hmm. uh, appreciate a lot of the guests that, that you have. And we have a lot of trout fishermen, and a lot of people all over the country. Perfect. Um, as well. But uh, anyway, thanks for that. And thanks for coming on mine. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I uh, appreciate uh, you, Tom. Thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Okay, awesome. See you. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.